Welcome to Baby Boomer Tales. Spring is a beautiful time of year and I'm glad you've come to ride along. My name's Jim. You can find us at babyboomertales.com. Once you've arrived, there's links to many places, including places you can hear our podcast. So remember to buckle up. This might not be an exciting ride, but it's a safe one, that's for sure. The reason is, because I'm with you. Where I was raised, up in north central Colorado, we had three lakes there, plus two rivers, one of them being the Colorado River. Beautiful area of the world, a lot of water, a lot of mountains, a lot of big sweeping valleys with wide open sky, with mountains surrounding you. It is indeed a very beautiful place. I've been to places with water before. I've been to the Pacific Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, the Gulf of Mexico. I've been to the Mediterranean Sea, the Red Sea, and the Dead Sea. I have been to several Great Lakes and several of the thousands of lakes in central Ontario. I've been to the Lake of the Ozarks, Lake Pontchartrain at New Orleans, and the Sea of Galilee. I've been to the Mississippi River with Old Huckleberry Finn, the Missouri River, followed the Snake River, and got dunked in the Jordan River. Of all the many bodies of water I have experienced in my life, my favorite is my pond. It's only about an acre and a half, but it has character and charm. Our pond is about 120 years old or more. When we purchased the property, it was 100 years old. The old original pond, which is maybe a quarter of the size it is now. The old guy we bought this property from expanded the size of the pond, made the dam bigger and stronger, brought it so it came out to the north. And at the very northern edge of the pond, the depth is only an inch or two. And gradually, as you work your way to the south, it gets deeper and deeper until at the southernmost part of the pond, in the original pond, the part where the dam is, it's about 11 and a half feet deep when the pond is full. When we built our house, I pointed the house towards the pond so that we could see it and it would be the focal point sitting on the porch, sitting in the living room, sitting in my office. When we first bought this place, the old guy showed us he always fed these catfish he had. And he'd throw some catfish food out there by the bank and the water would just boil with dozens and dozens of catfish feeding. And there were a couple white catfish in that. Well, later on, when people came, you know, we have company and whatever, we'd always feed the catfish, kind of show off. Everybody get all excited. Kids would jump up and down, scream and squeal. It was really quite the show every time. Well, when we were building our home, I had some concrete guys that I left them here and I went home for the day and came back the next day and the walls were all put up and all that stuff for the basement. But I was walking around my pond and my John boat had a bunch of cigarette butts in it. And when I went to feed the fish that night, there were no white fish. It's too bad we almost named this place Whitefish Farm. 
and maybe I still should have, but I didn't. We ended up firing those concrete workers, not because they stole my fish and used my stuff without permission or littered the place with cigarette butts, but because some of their work was so shoddy it wouldn't pass inspection. We ended up in a little bit of a lawsuit, but that's all in the past now. My pond has gone through many, many things. About five years after we bought the place, up the road about a half a mile and across the road, they're building a new home up on the hill and putting their driveway in. They hit an underground spring, which this country is full of underground springs. And so they had to divert the water to be able to complete their driveway. Well, that particular spring was the main feeder of my pond. My pond used to always just stay at basically one level. It would not fluctuate more than a foot ever. All of a sudden my pond started to dry up and we also were going through a drought and my pond became a puddle. That's a fact. It got down to just about the old original pond size. It was so dry I actually drove my tractor out where the pond was and mowed weeds. Finally, after a, about a year and a half of severe drought, we started to get our rains again, and my pond slowly filled up. But it would have terrible fluctuations because of that underground spring not feeding the pond. It really took maybe 10 years for that spring to find its way back. But today it's back. I know this because there's one area I like to mow west of my home that's always just a little damp. It's where that spring's coming down the gentle hill on its way to my pond. I'm looking out at the pond right now and it's totally full, has been for a while now. We did go through a bit of a drought during the winter months and it did get down a couple feet, but nothing to be concerned with and now it's totally full. Going out its overflows, going down to the other ponds below us. One other tragedy I've had on my pond is I don't know if you've ever heard of a pond turning, but what happens is the cold water at the bottom of the pond and the warm water at the top of the pond, because of all the life, plant life, the flora and the fauna, the fish, that warm water and the cold water flips over and it kills basically your entire fish population. First time it ever happened to us, I looked outside and I wondered what all those white things were bopping around on top of the water. Walked down there and fish were still coming up, dead as a doornail. Even the little guys, which you would think they'd survive. Even the catfish, where I thought they'd burrow down in the mud and survive. I went down to the Walmart and got the biggest fish net I could find. We took the tractor and a cart and went out there in our rubber boots and my wife and I proceeded to pick up at least 500 dead fish out of the pond. Took them back to the back of the property for the coyotes to eat. We had 50 pound grass carp in that pond just laying there dead. Had all kinds of nice three and four pound bass. My catfish, a lot of those were 10 to 12 pounds, all dead. Well, I did restock. And within two years, we had another pond turn. Hundreds and hundreds of fish dead. 
So I decided not to restock again, and I also decided not to pick them all up. That was a hot, nasty job. And within a week, they were all gone. The raccoons, the coyotes, and who knows what hauled them away. Today, I have very nice fish population. I never ever restocked it except for the grass carp to help keep the weeds and the grass out of there. But you can catch a three pound largemouth bass out of there, no problem at all. The kinds of fish we have in the pond, it's a warm water pond. So we have crappie, bluegill, perch, largemouth bass, and the grass carp. Once in a while you'll run across something else. My dog Maxie has been known to get out those bullhead catfish out of the pond, which is good. Those things are not a desirable fish. The way these ponds restock themselves, besides I don't think that every fish dies during the turn, but the birds will bring them in, fly over, drop a fish in there, a heron might come in for a landing. He's going to fish for frogs or fish, and he might be carrying one with him, forget to get it, or the fish gets away. Amazing how nature does stuff like that. My pond has very much character. I have areas called the wetlands, the point, the dam, the whistle, which is a culvert as an overflow. If it gets so high, if the water gets so high, it'll go out that culvert. You can't even see the culvert. It's all underground and covered with rocks and grass and stuff. I have some overflows, some big old big posts laying there in the water. Sometimes when you get a five inch rain, you can watch that water flow over those posts. But usually they stick about eight inches above the water line. I've also got the six sisters, which we planted 20 years ago, which are six cedar trees planted between the woods and our house. It used to be you could see that pond from the road right there. And I'd get all kinds of people wanting to go fishing or catch people fishing that never even asked permission. So we planted those trees and it took a few years, but they grew nice and big and nobody can see the pond from the road now. The fishing's great, like I said. I myself like to catch the crappie. I think my wife goes for crappie, but we can catch a bass once in a while and they give quite the fight. It's fun to be sitting here watching my pond maybe almost falling asleep, and all of a sudden there's my wife out there fishing. She's much more of a fisherman than myself. Whenever we have grandkids here, she's taking them fishing or taking them out on the paddle boat. We have a john boat also, kind of like a rowboat, you know. It's got the place for the oars. But what I use it for more than anything is I take it out, and I walk out into the pond, I get about chest high, and we've fought invasive weeds for years and years. And you just take your arms and just like a fork with a plate of spaghetti, you go round and round and round and pick up all those weeds, put them in the John boat, bring it to the shore, empty the John boat, and do it all over again. It's a lot of hard work and it's real hot out there. The water's reflecting the sun onto your body. When you get the weeds that want to hang on top of the water, you have these big white spiders that live out on there. So you're fighting the spiders and the heat. Don't want to step on a snapping turtle while you're out there. A lot of work. It used to be kind of fun when I was younger. 
Also to fight the weeds, we used to have this thing called a weed razor. It's like these two, three-foot razor blades in the shape of a V that you throw out there and you pull it back in jerking motions with a rope and it cuts the weeds that are submerged in the water. Then you take your rake and you rake them up. It's a big, huge rake with long tines that's designed for that very purpose. You throw it out there and it sinks into the water and it's attached to a rope and you pull it back in. Then you have all this stuff that you've pulled out of your pond. You have to let it set three or four days for the water to dry out of it. Then you can take a pitchfork, throw it in your pickup truck, take it back to the brush pile. I used to fight weeds like that all the time in the summer. It was actually my worst favorite part of the pond. But through lots of research, lots of hard work, we've learned how to keep the weed control very much in check. We don't have to take the weed razor anymore or take the john boat out there and fight the white spiders. We're pretty much invasive weed free anymore. When they get too much for 20 grass carp, you know you got a problem, in my opinion. So we don't have a problem with that anymore, but we do have a problem with muskrats. They're my sworn enemy in life, but that's okay. I guess they have a place in life just like me. They just need to take their place down to the ditch or something and leave my pond alone. There's a lot of wildlife on my pond. You see geese all the time. You see the great blue heron come in. Come in for a landing, looks like a prehistoric creature landing. And he'll sit there for hours. And all of a sudden, he's got one of your big old fish. Throw it on the bank and eat it. Catch a frog or even a little fish. They're great fishermen. Walking from one part to another. I've watched great herons go along the bank all the way around my pond. I like it when the ducks come. There'll usually be about six or eight of them together. They're fun. The deer come in in the early morning for a drink of water. One time we had just driven home, turned the lights off in the truck, and it was a clear night, and the moon was out, big and full, and you couldn't see them on the dam, but you could see them on the reflection of the pond. The pond was totally still, and there were two deer standing there, one a buck, and it was the most beautiful sight I had seen in many years, and one I will never forget. You knew those deer were there only by that reflection on the pond. The seasons here in northeastern Kansas, we have winter, spring, summer, and fall, very pronounced. And in the summer, the pond is just almost as warm as bath water, and that's the time you really want to make sure your invasive weeds don't take over. In the fall, things clear off and are absolutely beautiful. The winter, there's ice so often on the pond, and I feel sorry for my dogs because I do not let them out there when the pond is covered in ice. I can sit here and watch a coyote walk across it and almost feel sorry for my dogs, but I had a dog fall in one time, and I had to rescue her, and I swore never again. So we have the sandy roll around here, when the pond is frozen, the dogs don't get to run. They can go back in my little backyard and they hang out in the garage a lot. 
and they feel sorry for themselves and I feel sorry for them, but I'd rather feel sorry for them than to have to bury them on the back of my property where I have a regular animal cemetery back there. It's fun watching the turtles and the frogs, watching those dragonflies fly over and the fish jumping. As I look at that pond right now, there's a light wind, and so it's crystal clear and shining. And I smile to myself, and I understand how blessed I am. Never underestimate the power of being kind. I'll be back next Wednesday. Peace out.